The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hello, happy Saturday, and welcome into Arrowhead Pride's best of the week. My name is Pete Sweeney. I'm the editor-in-chief of ArrowheadPride.com. Here's what we got for you today. First on Out of Structure, Ron Kopp and Matt Stagner take a look at the current Kansas City Chiefs playoff picture. We'll continue on with the editor's show and hand out some bi-week awards, myself and John Dixon, around the 14-minute mark. After the break, it's the Great British Chiefs show as they take their first look at the Denver Broncos. We continue with show and BK as they ask the number one question right now. Can this Chiefs team get where they want to be if the defense is the best part of this team? That's around the 45-minute mark. And we'll finish up with Denver radio host and former Bronco Nick Ferguson as he tries to address how the Broncos may be able to slow down the Chiefs. But let's start with out of structure. It's Matt Stagner and Ron Cobb. This is Arrowhead Pride's best of the week. Whoever gets the one seed, whoever has a higher seed than them, we've all seen that every AFC team is is susceptible to a loss this year. So just because we don't get the one seed doesn't mean we won't be hosting, you know, home games the entire way of the playoffs, depending on who else loses. Is that something you're thinking about Stags? I don't know. Or, Or who are we worried about, I guess, in the AFC playoff picture in terms of having to maybe go into their house um, you know, we, we talked about the, the top seeds, but is there someone in particular that you're kind of like, ugh, I don't wanna really want to see them? Yeah, well, first, if you look at the standings, we were uh, just talking about the fact that the Chiefs actually still have a shot at the one seed, which is preposterous given how the, the season started. But if you look at the Ravens schedule, they're going to be playing uh, Pittsburgh, Cleveland, Green Bay. Uh, they got the Rams still left on their schedule. Cincinnati yeah. left on their schedule. There's a couple losses left for the Ravens. Um, at eight and three, uh, they could lose this week at Pittsburgh because those games, anything can happen. So the Chiefs will have a shot at the one seed, maybe even as early as this week if they stay winning. And so I, obviously that one seed is critically important now that there's just one bye. That is a, a, a massive deal. And so you'd like to see them continue to just win out and, and have, a, have a good chance at that one seed. And I think they would because I think most of these other teams are going to stumble at least one more time uh, before the season's over. The Titans have been really inconsistent. The Ravens have been really inconsistent. Both of those teams are going to lose more games um, between now and the end of the year. Uh, Same with the Bengals and the Bills. So the only team that really scares me at this point, and it it feels funny to say it, but it's the Patriots once again. Uh, The Pats are playing really excellent defense. They can run the ball. They're extremely well coached, as, as you know, that's the obvious statement of the day, right? They're sitting at eight and four, and they've they've been winning in pretty impressive fashion. They're not just squeaking out wins. They they've had some really really big uh, blowouts in the last few weeks, and I think that's a team. Again, they've got a tough schedule as well. They're going to play at Buffalo. Um, they're going to play at Indianapolis. Uh, they got Buffalo again uh, before the season's over. Uh, before uh, closing out against Jacksonville and Miami, so. You could see, you know, another loss or two for the Patriots, but that's a team I don't necessarily think I want the Chiefs to face in the playoffs, even with a rookie quarterback. Yeah, so ideally, in that Pats scenario, you actually probably want the Pats and Bills to split because then each of them get a loss, right? And then they have each have five losses. If one of them clean, you know, clean sweeps the other, then that one team has four losses and has the tiebreaker. Well, the Pats don't have the tiebreaker over the Chiefs right now, but the Bills do. So if the Bills happen to beat the Patriots twice over the next two weeks and keep their record, 
then they would be jumping us in the AFC standings. But the Pats don't have any sort of tiebreaker over us right now. But the other thing, too, is, man, they have still their bye week to go. They play at Buffalo this week, and then their bye week, and then they finish, like you said, with Indian, Indian, uh, the Colts, Buffalo, all that. So it that's very, you know, advantageous, just like it is that the Chiefs got their bye week right now. It's very advantageous that the Patriots still have their bye week to go, still have that week to rest up and everything. And we speak about the Bills, though. You know, the Bills have a very tough schedule as well. You know, obviously the Patriots game, but they play at Tampa Bay in a couple weeks as well. So it is really lining up for the AFC to kind of open up as long as the Chiefs can take care of business. But at the same time, you know, they play a lot of these AFC teams. There's no more NFC teams left on the Chiefs schedule. It's all AFC. It's either AFC West or or AFC North, I guess, because the Bengals and the Steelers are the, the two teams that they have to play besides the AFC West opponents. So, yeah, no, it, it's. It, that's the thing, though. It, it does seem like the Chiefs are, are in a great position to win the AFC West, at least. You know, even if they don't maybe get to the one seed, it's really hard to see them kind of falling at this point, falling on their face and not being able to secure the, the AFC West championship because they're a game ahead of the Chargers and Raiders and Broncos, all three of them, and they got games against all three of them left. Are, are we feeling good about the AFC West odds? Yeah, I mean, given this team's history in the Andy Reid era against the AFC West, I, I feel pretty solid that those are games that this team will get up for and, and they'll win. And the record against the AFC West is, is, um, is it still the best of any team against their division over the last few years? Uh, if it's not, it's right up there. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I think the Chiefs are in a really good place to get a win against Denver and the Raiders the next couple of weeks. Uh, and, and really within that time frame, might be already in the one in, in the driver's seat for the one seed. But you're right. Even if they don't get the one seed, I feel like they're going to win the AFC West. They're going to have a top two or three seed. Um, and and really those uh, teams like the Bengals, Bills, Chargers, Titans in the playoffs don't scare me so much. Um, even the Ravens. So, I mean, I think all of those teams are flawed. All those teams have had good wins and really bad losses this season. And so uh, I don't think you want to play – the best coach team, you don't want to play the, the team with the best quarterback in the playoffs. And uh, of the remaining teams, I would say the Pats might be the best coached. Uh, but which team has the best quarterback of the of the playoff picture, other than the Chiefs, of course? Man, that that's a tough question, right? I, I think right now, you know, I think some people actually would maybe say Mac Jones right now, which I think is a little silly. Um, I think he's playing really well, but I also think the rest of the team is helping him helping him play really well right now you know joe burrow's almost up there at this point in the afc um i think lamar jackson before last night i would have said lamar jackson but man there were some really bad questionable plays he made last night and and that put baltimore in bad position and i don't know that's the crazy thing about the afc this year is that it's just one week i'm thinking oh this guy looks like an mvp frontrunner and the next week he looks like he plays like crap so um yeah that's the other thing i want to mention about the afc west is that the Chiefs better? The Chiefs need to win, obviously. I mean, this is obvious that they need to win those games, but it's even more obvious because if you look at the rest of the schedule of those AFC West teams, it's actually not too tough for some of them. I mean, I don't know. I guess the Chargers are playing are playing at the Bengals next week, but they play the Giants in Houston besides the AFC West teams. You know, Raiders are playing Washington. They're playing Cleveland, who doesn't look like a competitive team right now. Denver has Detroit left on the schedule too. I mean, you know, the rest of the AFC West does have an opportunity to catch the Chiefs if they can just maybe pick one game here, one game there um, to kind of, uh, you know, and beat the Chiefs one game here, like I said, and and kind of sneak up there. But it still will be tough. And, and like you mentioned, the Chiefs have dominated this division for so long. I'm sure Andy will get them up, uh, you know, to be good for this division. But, you know, right now, the best quarterback left, circle back to that point, he's, he's in here in Kansas City. I mean, it's Patrick Mahomes. Uh, it, it really is. Um, you know, no other quarterback in the AFC is kind of separating himself right now, no matter how, you know, un, not good Patrick Mahomes has played recently uh, or this season at all. It seems like it's still him right now. Well, after Mahomes, though, a lot of people would maybe say Justin Herbert, right? And, and um, you know, I think on talent level, um, he's been there, but I'm not sure that he's really getting it done in big games yet. Uh, no. And no, yesterday I'll, I'll say yesterday he he didn't look good really at all, honestly, in my opinion, against Denver. Yeah, so then you've got Lamar Jackson not looking good. You've got Herbert uh, struggling. Um, you know, you've got Josh Allen, who's still basically Josh Allen, right? Like he, he makes plenty of mistakes, um, still has a cannon, but 
you know, you, you feel pretty good about the Chiefs' chances against any of those guys. Uh, and obviously, with the rookie in New England, um, the young guy in, in Cincinnati, you know, I, I think uh, I think any of those teams, if you face them in the playoffs, you're going to feel pretty good about the Chiefs' chances, whether it's at home, on the road, whatever seed they have. I feel like the Chiefs are going to be in good shape to make a run through the rest of the division and then make a run in the playoffs as long as they just play, the, you know, play their brand of football. And, and I think Jake's, Jake Wilson's question, and Jake, for now, uh, how do you feel about the Chiefs' capacity to play complementary football? That's really what it's about, you know, is is if their defense is playing well and their offense is efficient and they're not turning the ball over, there's not a single game left that, that I would be really worried about regular season or uh, postseason. Yeah, complimentary football is what we used to really uh, describe the Alex Smith offense like, right? Hey, you know, good special teams, you know, solid defense and the offense just doing enough to kind of win these games 17 to 14 or 20 to 17. I mean, that's what the Alex Smith recipe was back in those days. And and hey, you know, I think Andy is finding maybe a way to kind of have a hybrid of that game plan with the fact that. Now you have a Patrick Mahomes type of quarterback that can win you those games when you need to and and not an Alex Smith type that really can't. And so I think they are getting back into that where they are kind of, you know, thinking as a whole, thinking as an entire team rather than, you know, hey, offense is going to score their points. Defense just needs to do this. And then special, you know, they're thinking as a whole, you know, they're thinking, hey, the defense is playing well. So the offense is going to run like this because of that. And, you know, hey, obviously the special team is getting more and more involved, it seems like they're making more and more impact as the, as the season has gone on, the special teams has, which is really good to see. Um, Cause obviously we talk about Dave Tobe, you know, last year they were not an elite special teams unit statistically. And when you have a Dave Tobe, they need to be right. And this year they are, and, and that's good to see. And that's going to really pay off obviously in the playoffs. So yeah, right now they are playing complimentary football. It's really good to see. And they just need to continue. And I think, I think Andy Reid's game plan against divisional opponents will really, you know, emphasize that even more that, you know, they're going to be able to take advantage of the, of each opponent, all three aspects, because they're so familiar with these opponents that they've played over the last few years. Absolutely. It's, they can't just lean on Mahomes. I think we've learned that uh, less than the yeah. hard way, starting at the Super Bowl and going through the early part of this season, there is a, a limit to what one player can do for any team, uh, even Mahomes, even this team. And, and, but I still think as long as Mahomes is back on track, which we feel like he is right. Like over the last couple of weeks, we feel like he's not, he's not playing his best football of his career, but he's certainly not um, struggling like he was uh, at times earlier in the season. Obviously we're going to look back statistically and say that he's, he's having as good a year as anybody else in the NFL, um, even with the struggles that he had. But as long as Mahomes is Mahomes and the defense uh, continues on the arc that they're on, then yeah, I think they're they're a, a fairly complete football team. Finally, now we, right. we also have a four W win streak at Jet Hardman on Twitter. Do the Chiefs realistically lose another game this season? So let's look again at the Chiefs' schedule. They play at home versus Denver and the Raiders, uh, at the Chargers, at home versus Pittsburgh, at Cincinnati, at Denver. How many losses do you see in that list, Ron? Yeah, if we're being realistic, I think I think it's fair to give them a loss, uh, you know, at least one loss in that stretch. I do think, you know, at L.A. Thursday night, I mean, on a short week, that is going to be tough. I do think they get an advantage because they've had this bye week and then they have two home games. So it's not like there will be a lot of traveling. It's not like there will be a lot of jet lag. Uh, but maybe and then, but then maybe they get used to not traveling and then they have to travel on a short week. You know, I don't know. Uh, so I think that'll actually be kind of a tough game, especially because. You know, the Chargers are still a divisional opponent. They still know how to play the Chiefs. You know, they played us tough over the last few years. I know it's a new coach. Obviously, they beat us early in the season. Although, if we all remember, you know, the Chiefs offense turned the ball over on their first three possessions, four overall, and probably should have won that game. Um, but, yeah, I think that's going to be a tough game. You know, if Cincinnati is still fighting for their playoff lives in week 17, um, you know, that's obviously going to be tough, in my opinion, because Cincinnati is a good team. You know, that that offense will give the Chiefs defense trouble, in my opinion, although – I think that's a game the offensive line for the Bengals could kind of, you know, fail them a little bit. So I would say, you know, at Chargers or at Bengals are the two games that we could probably maybe see a loss. I'd say they either they either they only lose one of those. I don't think they lose both if, if they're going to lose one to be realistic. Um, but I just I can't see them losing any of the home games remaining. I, I don't see that at all, Stag.
back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show, Pete Sweeney and John Dixon. John, we are at the bye. We're out of the bye. But I do want to go back and go over some of these bye week awards that we handed out. This was, uh, I thought, a really cool thing that we all did. The 12 of us that wanted to vote at Arrowhead Pride did so. And we handed out some awards, and there were seven of them. So we'll go through them fairly quickly here. We're already at minute what thirty something of our our podcast, but let's start with offensive rookie. And and I'm glad that I have you on the line because Creed Humphrey <laughs> gets eleven votes. One person went Tra- Trey Smith, and his name is John Dixon, and no unanimous decision for offensive rookie of the bye week. What led you to take Trey Smith over Creed Humphrey? I'm more than happy to explain this. It's because I decided I wanted to vote for Creed Humphrey as offensive player of the year. Uh, now, I, some people would argue that that doesn't make any sense. Why would you have a center as the offensive player of the year? But my argument is uh, this is a guy that comes in and is arguably uh, the best player at his position in the league. And as good as Tyreek Hill is, there's a lot of guys who would claim they are better wide receivers than Tyreek Hill. There's a lot of guys that would claim they're better uh, quarterbacks than Patrick Mahomes. Travis Kelsey uh, probably is at the top of that heap as well. Uh, But I I just liked the idea of Creed Humphrey as the offensive player of the year. And I thought if I was going to do that, that I needed to vote for somebody else as the offensive rookie. And behind Humphrey, who else could there be? as the rookie of the year on the offense, but Trey Smith. Yeah. I, I thought this was tough. Uh, poor Creed. I'm sure he looked at this and was very upset during the bye week. <laughs> Creed Humphrey has a PFF grade of 91.1, which is the best at, at his position of center, period. Not for rookies, period. But I will tell you this, John. In the poll, 92% went Creed Humphrey. You did have 7%. Give the nod to Trey Smith, maybe thinking along those lines. We didn't establish any rules for these, so you can make your right, own rules. Right. And and uh, I guess we did so in, in that regard. And you know what? Maybe it doesn't deserve to be unanimous because there are some plays where Trey Smith gets into place uh, in a space, and especially those counters to the left. Ron Kopp has outlined this in some of his mm-hmm. film reviews, and he just pancakes these athletic defensive players, and I feel bad for them in a sense. Okay, defensive rookie, uh, Nick Bolton. This was unanimous. The The problem I, I found with this one is there was really no other option when it comes to defensive rookie uh, of the year. Who you, else are you going to pick? Josh Kane, though? Are you going to pick <laughs> DiCaprio Boodle? No, there's no one, There's no other choice. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. But, but Bolton deserves it, and if there were other choices, he'd probably get it anyway. So uh, congratulations to Bolton. No, it leads the team in tackles. Uh, I want to throw it back to you for a second, John, here on the snap counts out of the last game. Uh, what's been interesting about Bolton is his snap counts since Hitchens' return have been decreasing uh, a little bit, which uh, uh, has been surprising to me. I, I, I typically would point to an injury that we don't know about or a scheme thing. Uh, an interesting development, I, I think, at, at that position when Bolton just played so well when Hitchens was out of the lineup. Yeah, I agree, but it's it's just about looking at that too closely, really, because you'll notice that both Bolton and Gay's snap counts were down a bit from the week before, Okay, and Ben Neiman's were about the same, um, and Hitchens was also down a little bit, because it, what it came down to is that they were in dime more often. And uh, that meant that Neiman was going to be the other guy on the field. And that means that your frontline linebackers, the guys who are on the field more often on running plays, um, are going to get fewer snaps when you're in dime a lot. And now that's really, you know, it's set the hair on fire of a lot of fans because right. as far as they're concerned, Dan Sorensen and Ben Neiman should never see another snap in a Chiefs uniform. And so they get upset because. Neiman is on the field for the same number, you know, for seemingly the same number of snaps. Well, it's a lot fewer than it was before, right. before Bolton and Gay had really started making an impact. And the same with Sorensen. He's not starting anymore. He's just a situational player. And look what happens when these guys are out there in dime. The Chiefs are killing it. They've right. been fantastic the last few day, the last few weeks while these guys have been out there. 
because they're being used in the way where they can be the best for the team. They're not being used in ways where they're liabilities. So, you know, I, I get why people are paying such close attention to it, but they're really paying too close attention to it because you, you need to see you need to be able to see the forest for the trees in this particular situation. Yeah, interesting to see what happens this week because I, I think the the Broncos have a formidable rushing attack in Melvin Gordon and the rookie Javante Williams, but they also have some pass catchers. Uh Teddy Bridgewater can run as well. So mm-hmm. we'll see how much uh the Chiefs are in dime, how much they're in nickel, and then uh, how much Bolton does get to to play this week against the Denver Broncos. All right, let's continue with the bye week awards. Uh, special teams player. This was my article to do. We got five votes apiece for Tommy Townsend, got five, and Harrison Butker got five. Byron Pringle got one, and Lockdown Lamons got one for returner, and then Lamons uh, for downing balls. No, no love for Marcus Kemp from anybody. The <laughs> readers. Half the readers felt Tommy Townsend deserved uh, the award alone. Harrison Butker got 29%. I, I think this was um, – I was happy that it was tied. I, I think that both of them deserved this honor. Butker has been way better, especially when it comes to extra points, uh, than he was last year. He's been pretty good for, for field goals. I think the pooch punt was really cool that, that mm-hmm. Butker had this, this key punt against the Cowboys that Townsend actually downed, which just goes to show what Townsend is willing to do that, that pass from Townsend to Kemp. I, I find to be um, something he can do regularly. And then because he don't, the chiefs don't punt a lot other than this year, uh, he really hasn't had the opportunity to do. And I expect mm-hmm. to see more trick plays uh, from Townsend in the future. Now, it just depends on how much the, the Chiefs end up punting the football. But he can do this on a regular basis. And I also think that something that we haven't seen from Townsend yet is him getting the football and running for mm-hmm. a first down. He's pretty athletic, which is what you saw in him downing that that pooch punt. And so um, a sign of things to come. So these two split a co week special team player of the year. Well, you know uh, what you're talking about there is the famous Jan Stenerud play. Uh, yeah. The missed field goal in the longest game ever played. The, the missed field goal in the fourth quarter that was supposed to be snapped directly to Stenerud so that he could run around left end. And uh, the long snapper didn't get the memo, <laughs> snapped it to Dawson instead. He put it down unexpectedly and Stenerud had to try and kick it and, of course, missed the kick. Therefore, you know, setting up the longest game in NFL history. Um, so yes, we could see that from Tommy Townsend. He's that kind of an athlete that, uh, that downed punt to me is very interesting because when you look at the, the video of that play, there's only two chiefs running down the field. One of them is Nick Allegretti and the other one is Tommy Townsend. The rest of them are all up at the line of scrimmage blocking as if it's a field goal attempt. And that's part of the reason that the play worked is that they didn't do anything to tip off the fact that it wasn't going to be a field goal uh, and snapping the ball directly to Townsend. You know, it was beautifully executed. And I like the fact that they've got a punter athletic enough to be trusted to go down and be a gunner on a play like that. It was it was amazing to watch. Quick point on Stanrod, and uh, that's that James Winchester would never. I mean, this guy yeah. oh, is yeah. a, a stud, and that's why he got the contract extension. Yeah. Probably should have put that in our news. I, I missed that as we came out of the bye, but James Winchester had, got a contract extension for uh, being as good as he is. All right, most improved player. We've had uh, a variety of votes on this one, but it ultimately went to Rashad Fenton with eight. Willie Gay and Charverius Ward also received two apiece. Gay maybe deserved more votes here because he's just been so much better than last year with having a full offseason and getting some of those um, instructions from the the staff and Matt House and Steve Spagnolo. Rashad Fenton, I, I think, got a lot more credit because PFF exists, similar to Creed Humphrey, <laughs> yeah. because mm-hmm. Fenton's PFF grade has just been so high, comparable to that of Jalen Ramsey, which yeah. begs the question, why is he not playing more? Which also begs the question back to you, John. 
is a lot of the success because he's being put in the proper position as this spot reserve guy. You know, well, what they're using him for, what they have been using him for, is as an outside corner. Uh, he's the guy that comes in when Legarius Sneed moves into the slot, which he does on a pretty regular basis. And Fenton then comes in as the other outside corner. I mean, you know, if you'd asked Chiefs fans a year ago what's his best position, you would have said, well, in the slot, of course, because we've got Charverius Ward and Legarius Sneed to hold down the outside. But this year, they've decided to make Sneed the slot cornerback, which puts him in the box more often. Mm-hmm. And we saw the results of that in that Cowboys game where he's right. making these huge stops on running plays and, and nailing people behind the line. And I mean, he was, he was a force to be reckoned with in that game. So I think the chiefs have made a good move here by playing these two guys the way they did to have Snead be the slot cornerback. I mean, he's a slot far more often than he is an outside corner and Fenton is in there the rest of the time. So yeah, the uh, original plan this offseason was to try to find someone that I could put Snead more on the outside. Yeah. And they I would say similar to what they ended up doing with Chris Jones and and kind of going back on that, have gone back at the cornerback position. I, I think partly because of the way uh Fenton is playing, but also because Snead looks to be and you know, let's talk about Nick Bolton a little bit here, but Snead looks to be the best tackler on the team by far, which is yeah. wild because if you look at his stature, he's a skinny guy. Yeah. You know, which, uh, shout out to uh, a small skinny guys out there. Right. I mean, we could, we could tackle too, apparently uh, good, good. So, <laughs> and I'll be on after Thanksgiving, Snead is way skinnier than, than I am. I, I, I should say that, but <laughs> the, the small guys out there anyway, back to Fenton. A great outside cornerback for the Chiefs being used in that fashion. Most improved player goes to him. Um, let's go to defensive player of the year because we're, we're on that track right now. It's a split between Sneed and Chris Jones. I think it goes without saying that when Chris Jones is cooking, now that he's come back and is managing to play through these torn wrist ligaments, it is just a completely different defense. And I think if you're pointing to one player uh, who has has – their impact in the inside has really changed things for the entire outlook of the D. It's probably Chris Jones and then Sneed. These guys get the 5-5 split. Frank Clark and Tyron Matthew also received a vote. But Chris Jones and LeJarrius Sneed, your co-bi-week defensive MVPs. I think it just goes back to show that the Chiefs really wanted Melvin Ingram all along, and they just couldn't make a deal that would work for him financially. Yeah. And they were lucky enough to get him back. I think if Melvin Ingram had joined the Chiefs in March, they would have made noise about Chris Jones playing at defensive end, and he probably would have played at tackle most of the time, just as he yeah. did last year. We would have seen him at defensive end about one snap and three, just like we did last year. And it just would have been a thing that they had done to throw offense, uh, offenses off and expect him to be places that he wasn't going to be. And at the same time, getting him some work so he could be more effective when he was at the defensive end. But they couldn't make the deal with Ingram. And they were lucky enough that the Steelers, you know, paid him all this money and then decided they weren't going to use him, which prompted him to, you know, ask for a trade. And the Chiefs were able to get him for a song. This really worked out quite well for the Chiefs. Now, obviously, we would have liked it if he'd been here earlier in the year and could have been maybe a help in these games that we lost early in the season. Obviously, that's a problem. But if he's here for the stretch run, that's really all we have to have. So in a lot of ways, the Chiefs are very lucky with this. Yeah, you don't really know what exactly was was happening. You don't know the amount of money that Ingram wanted at the time. What is tough about this is the Chargers and the Ravens game came down to a play or two mm-hmm. and yeah. is Ingram worth a play or two? And probably yes. And Pro- man, you're in a, is. you're in a lot different a position if you have two more wins and two less losses. All right, let's finish up uh, offensive player of the year and the MVP kudos to the offensive players this year because they had an opportunity and I don't know how many opportunities they'll have to be the bi-week offensive MVP and the MVP of the team but Tyreek Hill 
not Patrick Mahomes, took both awards. You, of course, voted Creed Humphrey for offensive player. He got two. Also, Kelsey Mahomes and Smith got one for uh, offensive player. Tyreek Hill, when it came to MVP, got nine votes. Mahomes with two and Kelsey with one. Hill has, in a sense, taken the Kelsey primary target role this year Mm -hmm. because of the way opposing defenses are playing the Chiefs. Uh, Hill is finding a little bit more success getting away from what will be extra attention I think then Kelsey has this year and uh, you know, maybe that's an age thing. Maybe that's just Hill continuing to build upon what is trying to, he's trying to become the best wide receiver in the league, but Tyree kill, I think deserves MVP and he was my vote for MVP and offensive player just because I find that he has been a consistent part of the offense when every other part has really not been consistent Mm -hmm. throughout the offense this year. Right. I think I'm trying to remember now. I'd have to go back and consult the list, but I think I voted for Kelsey oh. as the MVP. I don't remember now, but I, I Forever might Forever the contrarian. Look at it. Look at yeah. You. Well, no, I'm just, you know, had my own way of looking at it, but I believe I voted for Hill for one of them. And I mean, I think I just split it out differently than maybe some other uh, contributors did. But I think you're right. I think, I mean, typically uh, Kelsey has been the guy who leads the, the team in targets and in yards every year. And this year, Hill has eclipsed him in both of those. Um, I think this weekend he's going to clear 1,000 yards uh, in uh, week 13. That's uh, I don't think he's ever done that before. And uh, he has been a very reliable target despite all the attention that he and Kelsey have been getting. And uh, he's made it pay off. So, you know, he deserves uh, at least one of these awards, if not both of them. Um, I... I like Kelsey as a MVP, just because I, I like the attitude that he brings to the team. I think that may have been one finally uh, prompted me to vote for him. If that's the way I actually did it. I know that was John, on my mind. He's I haven't the, told you this and I got to tell you. So uh, apparently Mahomes saw this bye week MVP thing. And if he scores a <laughs> touchdown on Sunday, is going to use his hands to make a <laughs> and P so we have provided an extra motivation. So good, good for us. All right, here are the awards one more time. Offensive rookie Creed Humphrey, defensive rookie Nick Bolton, special teams Townsend and Butker, most improved player Rashad Fenton, offensive player Tyree Kill, defensive player Chris Jones and Ladarius Need, and then the MVP Tyree Kill. Those are the bye week awards, not the season long awards. Still six games will go into who will take home these season long team awards. You think the Mac Lee, Lee Hill goes to Creed Humphrey at this point? Probably, right? I mean, I it's yeah. hard for me to believe it will go to anywhere, anyone else but Creed Humphrey, who's been uh, one of the better centers in the league. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Welcome back in. It's now time to go across the pond as we take our first look at the Denver Broncos on the Great British Chiefs show. This is Arrowhead Pride's best of the week. Okay, then. so let's look at the past game that they had, the last game against the Chargers. Um, like we said, we thought the Chargers were going to be the team that, that were going to uh, keep the pressure on the Chiefs for the AFC West. And I, I chalked this up as a, as a Chargers win. I must admit, I did, did actually chalk it up as that. Um, but actually watching the game, and I watched it back actually this afternoon, and there was a lot went wrong with the Chargers in that game. I mean, yes, the Broncos' defense seemed to snuff out a lot of it. And they seem to play this 
this zone type of defense, this cover two yeah. zone where they can really adapt to either a running game or a passing game yeah. um, very quickly on the fly as well, which was um, w- w- was something that quite surprised me. I thought, you know, putting it in, in like a Chiefs perspective, I thought, you know what, we could probably slice and dice this defense pretty well. But it did concern me a bit because, yes, the Chargers have got a good running attack in Eckler, but also they've got a really good passing attack, and especially mm-hmm. the way that, that, that Herbert's been previous to this game. Yeah. Um, you know, Herbert is one of those uh, those star quarterbacks that, you know, you have to respect because his game is so good. But the receivers were dropping so much. The offensive line was holding too much as well, causing a lot of the penalty players. And it was just, I, I don't know if it's the fact that it was just the Broncos were really good in that game or whether it was the fact that the Chargers were pretty poor in this game, to say the least. I think it's a bit of both. Um, Vic Fangio's defenses are a lot of fun to watch. There's yeah. a reason why he the reason why he has that job in Denver is because of what he did with the, the Chicago Bears defense in, yeah. when they first signed Khalil Mack, and that defense was incredible. And uh, the Broncos defense hasn't been as good as that, but they're still really, really good. They made life hell for Justin Herbert on on Sunday, it and is. he certainly didn't help. Um, his team. He he had a couple of decisions which were awful. The two picks that he threw to Patrick Sertain. Yeah, one went off Eckler's hands and maybe should have been caught, but it was slightly behind him. And the other one was just a dumb, dumb throw um, from Justin Herbert. Which, and Sertain was just like, yeah, thank you very much. I'll, thank you very much. I'll move on to the next one. So, um, yeah, overall, I think it, I don't think it was a shocking result. result. Um, no? No, I, I think they're so evenly matched that I wouldn't sit here and say, oh, the Chargers are definitely better than the Broncos. Remember, divisional opponents matter. Familiarity does matter. And we see that this weekend when Andy Reid gets to go against the Broncos once again. But even still, you look at the Broncos against the Chargers and they scored 28 points, but Bridgewater only threw for 129 yards. Yes, he went out for a little bit and Drew Locke had to come in. Uh, Right. Melvin Gordon rushed for 83 yards. Their highest receiver was Williams, who got 57 yards. Like, it's not like there was well-beaten stats there. It's just that they were better prepared and more well-organised than the, the, the Chargers were. So looking at the matchup against the Chiefs, do we think we're going to see similar uh, def- a similar defensive scheme from the Broncos? I think they try and get after Patrick Mahomes. Bradley Chubb has already said this this week, getting after Mahomes is key. It's just how many guys do they send to get after him? Obviously, a lot of teams are sending four to uh, rush Patrick Mahomes, but the Chiefs are starting to get a little bit wise to it. They're starting to get a little bit better against that four-man rush and seven-man in coverage. So, will they blitz a little bit more? Potentially. Vic Banjo likes to blitz. He blitzed a lot when he was in Chicago, less so since he's been in Denver. But um, I don't imagine they do. I can't I just yeah. I can't imagine a world where any defensive coordinator is going to watch what's been happening to the Chiefs offense and think, oh, you know what, I'm going to start sending five, six guys after my home. Yeah. It just seems to me, it just seems like crazy. Like if it isn't broken, why fix it? And at the moment, the Chiefs offense, yes, they're getting theirs in bunches, but they're also going through long periods of games where they're not having much success at all. And that typically comes from when they are dropping seven men into coverage and playing this too deep five men under. Uh, defense. Yeah. Uh, I know Andy Reid was uh was was asked recently um in the press conference that um are we going to be seeing Clyde Edwards Alaire more in the passing game? And I think this is the kind of game that you've got to look at in, in, in this matchup that mm-hmm. that you start using your running back as a receiver uh, in this kind of game to to try and open things up a little bit more. Um I know they tried using Eckler quite a bit uh, the Chargers didn't in the in the previous game to uh, to try and open that up a bit and 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 get a bit of breathing room, you know, using the flats and using the slants and and mm. and and what have you, just to just to try and mix it up a little bit. But yeah. do you think Reed is actually looking at that and thinking, do you know what, we probably don't need to do that, especially with the uh, you know the likes of the, the fact we've got Kelsey there, um, you know, Tyreek Hill and and probably Gordon, who's going to be one of those big players that um, I, I I hope we see a bit more from Gordon in this game. Yes, use the run game as much as we can with Edwards Alaire, but not heavily rely on it. See, the Broncos have struggled against the run a little bit of, of late and um, teams seem to be gashing them on the run. So why not just use Clyde edwards um up the middle? Like if you, Smash through the middle, just, yeah. Just smash through. Like, we've got such a good interior offensive line. Why not use them? And if you want to leak him out every now and then for catching passes, then do it. 
I think the, the, the key for the Chiefs offensively this week is variety. And mm. it has to be all sorts of shots. It can be running up the middle. It can be screenplays. It can be passes out the uh, backfield into the, into the flats. It can be Kelsey in the middle. It can be Tyreek mm. Hill deep. Just, I think this week we're going to see like the whole repertoire of the Chiefs offense because mm. they've had the week off as well. And we know how good Andy Reid is after the bye. Everyone yeah. talks about it. It will be mentioned on the broadcast a million and one times Andy Reid off the bye. We know it will happen. And so I think we're now in a situation where the Chiefs know that what teams are going to do against them. They've had time to study it. So the best way to attack that is to mix it up. Get the team yeah. guessing every now and then. Show a heavy formation, but pass out of it. Like just do some crazy stuff every now and then. And I think using Clyde Abertzale, using his full um, array of talents, is probably the best way to go. Not crazy stuff like having Kelsey in a, as a wildcat. No, oh, I love that. <laughs> I'm okay with that. I'm okay. You're with okay that. with when that? They keep it simple. When they keep it simple, where they just say, right, Travis Kelsey, run behind the offensive line like they did against <laughs> the Cowboys. I'm absolutely fine with that. It's when they try getting like Travis Kelsey to make decisions and throw passes and all sorts of like that. That's moving parts. And, yeah. 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 <laughs> A lot of moving parts with flicks and runs and, you know, a bit of Shazam, you know, all that kind of, yeah, no, and I agree with you on that. Um, <laughs> yeah. Have some trick plays in there, but keep it simple. Just keep it simple. <laughs> all right, then, mate. Um, ones to watch in this game. Um, I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with Melvin Gordon, I think, for the Broncos because he he was quite effective against the Chargers. He is the way he was duking through that middle and and picking out the holes. Mm. Um, I think Melvin Gordon. Um, I mean, you know, his, his yards per attempt this year at the moment is four point five, which um, you know is not to be sniffed at, not to be laughed at. There's that, that that's a pretty darn good stat, and um, we know the Chiefs have always had that issue with the run game at the beginning of the season um but it does look like they've 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 addressed that issue but i still think a player like melvin gordon is is one of those players who will help the broncos run this clock down a lot more and and run the game a lot more yeah see i like i like javante williams i think he's a really williams look good yeah Yeah, i i I, am If I if I'm Denver, I make Javante Williams the the lead back. The, the, he's elusive, the, uh, isn't he? Yeah, he's just he can catch the ball, he can run the ball. I just think he's a lot more entertaining than Melvin Gordon ever was. And you'd have a lot of fun if you were an offensive coordinator with yeah, him. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. My one to watch for the Broncos is the entire offensive line. Um, <laughs> they to, Not just they, going one player. <laughs> they they um they finished the game against the Chargers with four backups in and. Right. If they have got, say, three backups in, then you just like the way this Chiefs defensive line is playing at the moment, you can just imagine like Steve Spagnuolo having the best time. You, you, you just, <laughs> just you can. He's gonna, he's just gonna have one of those days where it's just all gonna be fire. Remember, they're coming off such a hot performance against the Cowboys as well, where they were dominant, and I expect that to roll through to Sunday. I, I don't expect Teddy Bridgewater to have a fun time whatsoever. And maybe the counter for the Broncos is to get Gordon and Williams involved early on in the passing game. But I just think the Chiefs defence is trending so far upwards at the moment mm. that they it's got to continue. It just They can't play as well as they have been for three or four weeks and then revert to the mean that there was September. Like September has to be a smokescreen. That can't be the Chiefs defence. It just no. can't be. This Chiefs defense is now healthy, and I think the true version of this defense has to be November's version. If it's not November's version, this team doesn't stand a chance of winning the Super Bowl. If the Chiefs want to win the Super Bowl, they need that version from here on out. And let's see it this week against some backups on the defense, on the offensive line for the Broncos. It's no surprise that the the Chiefs defense has improved ever since Melvin Ingram turned up. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. It, it's it, it really is. I mean, you know, you see an absolute difference in class i think from the september chiefs defense to now um i I just think ingram has been that missing piece and it's strange you know to think that one player can do that but it really has the pressure has been brilliant on the quarterbacks and it's helped with the the you know the the teams and the players in coverage as well hasn't it yeah i think i think it's more so not just melvin ingram i think there's a couple of things like Finally moving away from Mike Hughes at corner, realising that Fenton's a better player. Mm. Um, you're seeing less of Dan Sorensen now than we ever have done. Chris Jones is healthy. That's a big deal. Frank Clark is healthy. That's a big deal. I just feel like Melvin Ingram 
was a part of the puzzle, but they seemed the like right they time. found all the pieces of the puzzle at the exact same time. So <laughs> right. like, we had these five pieces that were missing, and Steve Spagnuolo went, oh, they're here, they're under this mat. And then they finished <laughs> the puzzle, and that's what the Chiefs defence is right now. Like he's lost his car keys. Yeah, basically, yeah. <laughs> I found my car keys again. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's where they were. <laughs> All right. And um, for the Chiefs ones to watch, I've gone with Clyde Edwards-Alaire because um, it he seems to be on everybody's lips at the moment. Um, the media seem to want to know whether he's going to be in the uh, the receiving game. Um, and I think at some point the Chiefs will unleash Clyde Edwards-Alaire in the receiving game a lot more. Um, we saw it before when... Uh, and uh, Williams was uh, was quite effective, wasn't he? Um, in 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 the game prior to that one, I think that I think the Chiefs have got it in them, and I think the Chiefs are wanting to use that, but I don't think we quite see it just yet. I think we see it probably more in the playoffs where we'll see Edwards Alaire being um, unleashed in the. Yeah, we said that last year, though, didn't we? <laughs> Well, yeah, exactly. Injured, but I remember seeing there people going, um, "Oh, yeah, we're going to see the true Edward Solaire in the playoffs." Honestly, this offense is coming, it's coming, it's coming. It never happened, and yet. it didn't. Uh, it never <laughs> happened. Um, my one to watch is Chris Jones. Um, I'm ready for Chris Jones now to make a run at Defensive Player of the Year because yeah. there's no standouts at the moment. There isn't. Like, TJ Watt was a standout early on, but he's kind of come off the boil a little bit. This, the Steelers' defence is nowhere near as good as it was six, seven weeks ago. Yeah. Um, so I'm sitting there thinking, Chris Jones, you could win me some money. Here is, here is the question I have an answer to. Um, usually I'm right, uh, but I don't know if I am on this case. This is the question. The Chiefs seem to have written... Write it. That's probably it. Write it the ship here. They've gone on a little streak. They've taken care of business. They've beaten the Packers, beaten the Cowboys, beaten the Raiders in this stretch. And now they're in first place in the AFC West. And they look primed to, to kind of make a run the rest of the way coming off the bye week. But my question is this. Can the Chiefs get to the place that they want to get to? And that is winning it all. That was what they started this for. That's what this season is about. This ain't about no make the playoffs. It's about can we get our second Super Bowl in three years? Can we make it to a third straight Super Bowl, which not a lot of teams have done uh, at all in the history of this league? Can the Chiefs get and, and achieve all their goals with their defense being the best part of this team? It is hard for me, BK and Serta, to see that as a yes. They, they've, they've been able to get through this, and they have, they have fought hard. I did not think they were going to be able to beat the Cowboys scoring 19 points, and they give up nine, or however much they gave up. I didn't think they would beat the Packers. I don't care who was playing quarterback with them scoring 13 points. Right, This Chiefs defense this year, the totality of the year, the Chiefs defense has been the best part of the team. And I don't think that can continue and the Chiefs win a Super Bowl, get to a Super Bowl, achieve their goals. That's just me. I don't think that the Chiefs defense can be the best part of the team and they catch New England. I don't think the Chiefs defense can be the best part of the team and they beat Buffalo or Baltimore again. This offense has to move forward and take back over the reins as being the best part of the team. I think I agree with you. Now, let's set a standard, though, of what the Chiefs' defense has been because it hasn't just been the best unit on the team. It's been the best defense in the league now since week six. Weeks one through five, nobody allowed more points in the league than the Chiefs. They allowed 163 points in the first five weeks of the season. Washington was second with 155 allowed. Since week six, the Chiefs' defense has allowed 87 points. That is the fewest in the league. The Patriots are second at 98. The Chiefs defense has not just been good for them, for their standards. Yeah. It's been good relative to anybody. It's been the best relative to anybody else in the league. So that's the standard that we're talking about. If they are that the rest of the year, if you believe they have, a, have that kind of a ceiling in them, this defense. Yeah, the answer is yes, they can win the Super Bowl with that defense. I don't believe they're that defense. I don't think they're going to be the best scoring defense in the yeah. league the rest of the year, especially when you get into the postseason and you're going up against offenses that are far better than some of the ones that they've seen of late. So my answer to your question, 
just based on what we know about this team, is no. I think this offense has to start getting back on track. They've got to start proving to all of us that they're still the Kansas City Chiefs of old. And that might be different. It might not be you're the best scoring offense in the league. You're throwing for 400 yards a week. Patrick Mahomes leading the league in passing. He's throwing for 50 touchdowns. Like That might not happen this year. That's fine. Yeah, You've got to be able to consistently put up 27 or more points. That That's what ha- needs to happen for the Chiefs moving forward, for me to believe in them as a legit Super Bowl contender. Yeah, I, I just like sort of I, 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 I it is hard for me because, listen, I, I don't I'm not I don't think the, the Chiefs or Tyron Matthew or Chris Jones or Frank Clark or any of them need to apologize with uh, with who they've been faced in front of them. But if we're going to be honest and just with the conversation of can they continue to be the best part of the team and they get to where they want to get to, we got to be honest and say, well, I mean, they didn't really play the real Green Bay Packers. I mean, they didn't. They didn't. I mean, Aaron not being there changes the whole game. I'm gonna tell you right now, they scored 13 points, and Aaron Rodgers is out there as the quarterback. He's not missing some of the throws or throwing some of the or throwing that one at least interception that Love threw. Uh, I don't think they win that game. I certainly don't think they're holding them to seven points. Uh, I mean, you look at Dallas. You know, I think they played pretty well, but there was no Amari Cooper. And then CeeDee Lamb didn't play in the second half. And I don't think Zeke was his complete self. And they didn't have their maybe their best offensive lineman, uh, Jones, their left tackle. And there was a play that directly led to Frank Clark getting a turnover that went to points for the Chiefs. So, I mean, I, I think you just have to be honest. The Raiders, too, they had, they've kind of been in shambles up and down and didn't have uh, Henry Ruggs for good reason. But he wasn't there. Like, I, I just think there has been some some issues, sort of, where you look at it and say, uh, they, they've had some unfortunate help that has helped their defense to look this good, to look like, as, uh, as BK said, by the numbers, the number one defense in the game. And you can't expect that to be because I can still remember what I saw them look like against Buffalo. I can still remember what I saw them look like against Baltimore. And I know they're a different defense, but I don't think you're holding those teams to 14 points. Yeah, but, uh, I mean, I, I do agree that, like, yeah, they caught breaks. Like, Amari Cooper just getting COVID and not being in that Cowboys game was a break. CeeDee Lamb getting injured and leaving with a concussion was a break for you defensively. And we saw the Cowboys go on to struggle the following week when they didn't have those guys available. But – the defensive turnaround has been really impressive, and I think it just goes back to like what we've been saying all year is that they just can't be the worst defense in football. This offense is what's going to win you championships. It's always what's been what's going to win you championships because at the end of the day, when it is clicking and when it is moving the way that it's supposed to, it's one of the most unstoppable units in the NFL. At no point under any circumstance do I believe you can say that about the defense and and like fully believe it when you say it. Like this defense is talented and they're playing closer to where we thought they should have been playing at the beginning of the season when they were injured, when they were figuring things out or whatever. But the offense is the reason you're going to win championships. So this defense is playing a little bit above its head right now. But as long as they're like average middle of the pack and this offense continues to be what makes you move, then you'll be fine. And but see, that's the problem, sort of, because BK, the way that the offense is playing, that standard and expectation that we've had about the defense is, is sort of just said, well, they just can't be the worst defense. No, that's not going to do it. By the way, by the way, this offense has played, they've had to be this, right? Like, like, just think about it, Serta. As you said, if they could be average, man, with this Chiefs offense, if that defense, what is average? What right in the middle, 15, 16, something like that? If they were just average, they're, I mean, they're going to kill teams. But they've needed to be more than just average. Like, they've had to be really good to win these games. So, this, like I'm saying, this offense needs to get to a space that they can, like what Serta said, just don't be awful, just don't be the worst. No, this offense is playing to a place where they need to be more than not just the worst. Like, they got to be good because this offense is putting up 19 points against the Cowboys at home. This put, this, this offense put up 13 points against the Packers. Like, this defense has had to raise its level 
to have to help this team win? It's always a sliding scale. And, and that's something to keep in mind. Like our, our expectations coming into the year, I'm totally with Serta. If the offense was playing up to that level, yeah. then we'd be talking about defense. All you got to do is just allow 24 points a game. You do that, we're good. That's that's all I need out of you. Right now, they have to be better than that because the Chiefs have scored more than 24 points, what, once in their last five games now? So oh, no. if if they were at that level, you'd be having huge, huge problems right now going into this game against Denver, and every game from here on out would be a must-win to even make the playoffs, much less to do any damage once you get in. So the defense is hugely important, and what they've done – really since week six has been incredibly impressive, even with the understanding of who they've gone up against and some of the injuries or um, COVID issues that those teams have gone with. But I, I do think this offense has to get back on track. Um, and I'm not just saying that because like we know Patrick Mahomes has a higher ceiling. I just don't know how sustainable all of this is defensively. I think they're legitimately good. I think what we're watching right now is, and Ron, you made this, comparison uh, a few shows ago what we're watching with the defense is very similar to what we saw in the Super Bowl year where yep. they had that game against the Broncos and everything came into place and we yep. asked that question right after we saw them start perform be performing better where it was like hey could that have been their Broncos game where your offense wasn't able to be up to par and your defense ended up winning you that game and then moving forward the defense became a big part of the story of what that was that's all fine and dandy but you got into the playoffs that year. You scored 51 against Houston, 35 against Tennessee, and 31 against the 49ers. It was the offense that won you that Super Bowl. The defense got you there. The offense was what won it for you. And that's going to be the that's going to be the necessary formula once again this year if they're able to get there. It's how they're built, fellas. Like this this team is built for the offense to be the the guiding force. And they have to take the reins back after the bye week. They got to take the reins back and say, "All right, we're here. Like, all right, we're we're ready to take this thing back over to where because this defense is not built to, hey man, get us six consecutive stops like they've had to do. Hey man, we need you guys to hold them down under ten in the second half. Hell, under seven in the second half. Hey man, we're gonna play the Packers." need you guys to only give up a touchdown for us to win. Like that, that that's not sustainable and that's not going to if they got to play a run of you know the 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 Colts, the Ravens and the Bills or the Patriots in the in the playoffs to expect this defense to to do what they're doing right now and the defense to be the best part of the team that ain't going to happen. That ain't going to happen to me and I and I don't think they're going to get to where they want to get to. Um, and, and that 2019 team, that's a perfect example. When Reggie Ragland started to switch to Funyuns, it really changed the game. Uh, he came off. He was. I remember talking to him about it. Reggie was like, I've been on these Cool Ranch Doritos. Cool Ranch Doritos. Let me switch over. And it was that. Uh, was talking when they, to him about it? Yeah. Yeah. First off, we like, you see You're the, so you see the full hat. Of crap. You're you so full hat. of crap. Reggie's nasty, too. Uh, I'm pretty sure I was working with you at the time. I don't remember us having a conversation with it Reggie. Was, it was private. Mom. They were tired. We were a lot of beer drinking at that point. Um, it, we went to uh, – me and me and Vern hosted – or we were uh, we were celebrity guests, judges at uh, an event with Ty, or with uh, Travis Kelsey. Talked to Reg. Reg told me then, allegedly. Uh, Reg told me <laughs> then, switch from the Cool Ranch Doritos and they started making the hot fire Fritos, bam. And he scored a touchdown in that Denver game, if you remember. And he's what a story, man. What a story. With the hot fire Fritos. Is Reggie so, uh, still in the league right now? Yeah, yeah man. Playing with the Lions last time. Uh, oh, that's somebody right. Else. Yeah, somebody else watched him on like, Thanksgiving. It was great to see him. That was, man. It's good for, for, it's good for Reggie, man. For and Reggie. Them hot yeah, I'm so he's going to have to make yeah. the switch again. He's going to have to make the switch again. I'm here he's going to need more than that this time around, buddy. I hear He's they going to need God on this side. I think they got barbecue cheeses. Maybe that's, that's where he goes next. I, I think fans have a, a bit of mutual respect. You can tell there's a little bit of hate between Denver and Kansas City fans, but I think there's 
uh, mutual respect for just the enthusiasm of both franchise and, and Arrowhead Stadium had 22% capacity last year. Now you get 100% back, we think, if everything goes to plan. So that environment should be rocking. I want to get into the Denver Broncos because you are a current expert on this. You do radio in Denver. You have a pulse of the fan base. I think the biggest story heading into the season when it comes to Denver is, of course, the quarterback situation where you have Drew Locke, the returner. Teddy Bridgewater enters the mix. Aaron Rodgers, still a question mark. We don't know if that could come into play late here. What do you make of the quarterback situation entering the 2021 season? Well, first and foremost, everyone is uh, definitely excited about the Aaron Rodgers talk. Whether it would come to fruition or not, we, we don't really know. Right. So we only have to deal with the quarterbacks that we have in Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater. So there's this idea that there's going to be this quarterback competition, somewhat of 50-50 reps. But I know this as a player and as a coach in the NFL. Nothing is ever 50-50. There's always one guy that seems to have somewhat of a head start over the other guy. And, and looking at Drew Locke, who, you know, he's a Kansas City, you know, guy, went to Missouri. You know, he hasn't really played that well. Now, playing against the Chiefs, I think it was last year, and yeah. uh, Arrowhead gave the fans somewhat of an idea, like, hey, maybe Drew Locke might be the guy because the score wasn't, you know, one of those large lopsided, you know, uh, losses for the Broncos. The game was somewhat close. And for me, I try to tell our fans, hey, listen, I, I like what Drew Locke brings to the table as far as his arm. But there's a lot of things that he's still inconsistent about. And don't look at that Chiefs game and saying, okay, well, we, we are that much closer to the Chiefs with Drew Locke. Because what I saw was a lot of mistakes in that game by the Chiefs. There was one touchdown that Tyreek Hill caught, but no one knew it was a touchdown. They didn't they challenge it. It was unreal. I, I think we all go back to that moment and we're like, how can we as fans see this? But I think the problem in that situation was Tyree Kill didn't even realize he caught that football. No, he, he didn't because it just kind of fell off of AJ Boyer's yeah. back. And he just thought, okay, well, maybe it was an incomplete pass. <laughs> maybe it touched the ground. But he didn't know until he looked up at the Jumbotron and realized that was an actual reception. But in that game, I just saw a lot of issues that the Kansas City Chiefs offense was having, but it wasn't like Drew Locke was that impressive to give me an idea that, one, he should win the starting job or the Broncos are really close from that quarterback position if he's a starter. Now, Teddy Bridgewater, I go back last year, there was a game, I can't remember which week it was, I don't know if it was week four, week eight, but the Chiefs and the Carolina Panthers faced off and the Chiefs won that game maybe 32-30. And in that game, to me, it was a real close game and it just showed me the tangibles that Teddy Bridgewater brings to the table. And most people here, and I try to tell my other radio cohorts that, hey, listen, when we look at Teddy Bridgewater, most of you guys look at him and say, well, he just kind of a, a check down Charlie. But I say, well, I want a guy who's going to make quality decisions. When I look at the quarterback that you guys had a couple of years ago in Alex Smith, right. everyone said that he was a game manager. And at first, I, I, I used to not like that term game manager, but I love it now because what that tells me is that guy is going to do everything right. He's not going to try to play outside of himself. And this is where Drew Locke has an issue because when he faces off against a guy like Patrick Mahomes, he feels as though, hey, I'm a Kansas City guy, went to Missouri, so I have to showcase my arm. And what happens with not just Drew, but a quarterback I played with and Jay Cutler, that arm talent that everyone's talked about, it gets them in trouble because they try yeah. to force balls into tight situations. And I'm like, dude, you are not Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> Patrick Mahomes has learned the art of improvisation. Right. You have yet to learn how to do that. So play within of yourself, and he still hasn't done that. But I like Teddy Bridgewater to win this quarterback position. Yeah, I, I know what you mean, because I think even in the games against the Chiefs, there have been these Drew Locke flashes, but Locke... Mm sometimes makes mistakes and and could cost the Broncos a game where you don't really think that Bridgewater is going to necessarily lose you a game. So it'll be interesting to watch from afar how the Broncos go when it comes to that decision. I want to cast a wide net for you here. When you look at this offseason for the Denver Broncos, who is your p opinion for the greatest offseason addition and maybe the greatest offseason loss for the 2021 season? Well, as far as the uh, addition, it's kind of sort of like not one individual player, yeah. but it's a collective. 
And I look at the Broncos secondary, adding uh, Ronald Darby, Kyle Fuller, and then drafting Patrick Sertan, you know, with the first pick in the draft, because the, the game in the NFL has changed since I played. Now you have guys who are called tight ends, but they're just big wide receivers. And when you look at a lot of teams in Kansas City being one of those teams, when they roll out their base package, their base package is 11 personnel. That's three wide receivers. And I'll throw Travis Kelsey in there as well. And right. then when you look at the, how they use the running backs, they, they use their running backs, not just to hand it off to them, but also in pass coverage. So you have to have enough guys to be able to keep pace with the, the, the likes of Kansas City and some of these other teams. And knowing as though we, we don't have 16 games anymore. We now have 17 games. And it's hard to keep any player healthy for 16, let right. alone 17. So you need to have a multitude of different guys. And then having so many DBs, this is me thinking from a defensive perspective, now you may be able to do certain things with your defense if you're Vic Fangio to try to match up. And that's what it is. There are no guarantees, but yeah, at least if you have the personnel to roll out there, then you at least say, well, you know what? We have a fighting chance. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.